harmony and peace and the sun will once again rise up in the east. Welcome to Ink Pulp Audio. I'm your lovely host, Sean Crystal, in case this is your first time listening. If not, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, hope you're enjoying all these. Uh, sometimes I just want to chill. And last night was one of those nights, just a long week. And uh, we, we, kids, last day of school, went out for some sushi, had a nice, nice calm dinner. And we just want to go to the pool and relax. A nice nighttime swim. It, I love the, the pool at night. It's quiet. The sun's setting. It's not hot. You can only stay in the water this time of year for so long because it gets a little chilly. But it's fun. The kids come out of the pool shivering with blue lips, and you know they've had a good time. So uh, my wife and I had an idea. We'd take turns uh, going up to the closet while the other was packing up the kids downstairs. And we'd uh, take a little toke. And uh, hey, hey, don't judge my fucking parenting, all right? You drink wine, all right? You do what you got to do. I'm going to do what I got to do. So we took turns. Um, just a little bit. I didn't get out of my mind. I mean, it's not that big a deal. Relax, people. I use it to relax. So, uh, yeah, we did that. We went down to the pool, and I'm not out of my head. I have a nice little buzz on, and I just want to lay in a lounge chair and catch up with my wife and relax while the kids swim. I want to get in the pool and throw them around a little and have some fun. But we get fucking hijacked by social parasites. I'm not good with social parasites. These are the people... That are always on like 11. They're always talking. They're energy suckers. They suck the fucking life out of you. And I've got a real, real strong internal gauge. When someone comes on like that, I shut the fuck down. I don't want to be around them. My wife doesn't have that and she becomes friendly with people. And then a month later realizes she has no interest in continuing on with this person because they're fucking energy suckers. And, uh, you know, and when they come on that nice, in the beginning, there's an underbelly. And you don't want to see it. So she'd been hanging out with this woman. And this, you know, I get there, we're doing, she comes over and she's, she's perfectly nice and I'm an asshole and I'm aware of this, but I just want to relax. And the whole fucking time, she's just going, going, going and I'm high and my wife keeps looking at me, why are you so quiet? What's the matter? And she knows me well enough to know this is what happens when I get around these type of people. And I just, and her, her whole fucking life, she's just pushing in our faces, kind of like I do right here, right now. <laughs> uh, but you can push pause or you can stop listening. I couldn't get out of this situation. So she leaves and I'm like, ah, oh, a little peace and quiet. And then the next one comes up. 
Another one. Oh, God. And this guy, these are nice people and I'm an asshole. I'm well aware of this and I'm perfectly happy with this, but I just wanted to relax. And this guy for another fucking hour with his life and just on and on and on. And my wife engages. Like these type of people, if you don't engage with them, they, they'll just disappear. But she engages. We get back to the house and she says to me, I'm fucking exhausted. I was like, I know, social parasites. Social fucking parasites. Watch out for them. And if you're an asshole like me, you really need to watch out for them. So today we've got Samford Green on the podcast. Samford uh, was, was itching to get on here. I haven't had a guest want to... I've had people that want to be on, but Samford really wanted to be on. I don't know why. Why, Samford? Why did you want to be on so bad? Don't you know what this podcast really is? No, uh, I was happy to have him. We're friends, and uh, we had a good talk. And, and there's a bit in the in the interview where I, I think Sanford calls them normal people. I, I don't know if I... I think. I'm going on memory here. And I don't know if I'd call them normal people. Uh, he's just talking about the 9-to-5ers, the people who um, who have the, like 9-to-5 salary jobs, and, and they don't have the creative lifestyle. So... It's different than this, than than the lifestyle of the people I've had on here, and I, I, I'm probably going to have someone on from that lifestyle to talk about it. Because here's the thing. We went back to Maryland recently, um, and that's where I grew up, and my wife grew up, and her best friend's kid was having a bat mitzvah, because we're old! And when you're old, your kids start growing up. So while we were there, there was a ton... I mean, I haven't been back to Maryland in in a long, long, long time, and a lot of friends I haven't seen in a long, long, long time. So we we crammed in as much as we could. I wanted to show the kids our life growing up. Uh, I drove them through my old neighborhood, uh, told them about the first time I got arrested or almost arrested. We, we drove through my old neighborhood, which was in King's Contrivance in, in Columbia, Maryland. And Route 32 is this major highway now, but it wasn't there when we moved there. They were building it. So at the edge of my neighborhood was a construction site for a major highway. It was just this long, dirt-paved road, and they were building bridges. And the the bridge they were building, which was very close to my house, an overpass, um, we, we we would go down under and it was a blank canvas for our graffiti days. And I mean, this is, this is in the mid eighties, you know, around, around the time of, of beat street and all that stuff. And I, I was big into graffiti then. I, I've told stories about that before, but so we're driving by and, and it's been painted over, but you could still see the ghost of it. And I was, and I was pointing out to my kids, Hey, look, I, I, did that when I was a kid, like your age almost. Actually, I was probably my daughter's age, and you could barely see it. It was like the the ghost passed in my art, and, and it, it was cool. And then my kids, or my daughter probably, said, wait, wait, you did graffiti? Like, you broke the law? Which... Led into me telling a story about getting chased by the cops and all that stuff. I believe in honesty. 
I don't hide shit. No, 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 I didn't tell him I got high last night. All right. I, I wouldn't lie, but I don't have to offer up the information. So it was fun. We drove through my whole old neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. And it was cool to see the share my past with the kids. And um, it was neat to see that, that there was a, a ghost of my graffiti in the still on the walls there. So we, we spent the weekend catching up with old friends. And uh, these are people we went to college with. A lot of whom I'd call my numbskull college fraternity friends. Uh, I was I was always into the arts and wanted to ha- draw comics. And in college, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And these are people who had no clue what they wanted to do. All they were concerned with was, um, what party are we going to? What bar are we going to? What drugs are we doing? And which girls are we fucking? And sure, that's college. I get that. But we go from house to house visiting these old friends and having a good time and catching up with them. And each one is living in what I would call a large home. And I'm just like, in my mind, I'm trying, like, I live in a small home. My wife and I are both artists. We chose a lifestyle which isn't focused on material stuff. Uh, We don't make a lot of money. But, uh, you know, we have a small house, and, and quite frankly, it's all we need. Uh, it, it is tight. I, I've said that before. It's tight. Uh, but we get by fine. Well, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but I'm just going, like, these houses are like three, four times larger than my little house. And I'm just like, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Part of the trip, I, I think I, I even towards the end was like feeling like I need to apologize to my wife because of my, my stubbornness, I might say, or my passion or my pursuits. We can't live like this because we have a different lifestyle and I'm not really interested in, in the make more money, get the bigger house. I'm a little bit more room would be nice. Sure. Yes. But I don't need all this, but I feel like Am I screwing my family over now? Because everywhere we go, I mean, even my daughter's like, everyone has such big houses here. Yeah, well, they're not, they're not artists. But we just go from one house to the other, and I'm just like, each one gets progressively bigger, and it just they've, they just seem to not have any money problems. I could be wrong, but that's what it seemed like. And for for someone who's living check to check that can get a little old but it's the life we chose i chose and i just felt like i maybe i had imposed it upon them my wife said i'm being ridiculous that she has everything she wants and everything she needs oh that's sweet but so uh, you'll notice samford talking we kind of addressed this a little bit and it just happened that we had this conversation right after i'd gotten back from this trip and it was it was all this stuff i had i had been wrestling with um so yeah it just made me think like if you like if you're pursuing a career in art there's going to be a lot a lot of sacrifice the machine is built for you to to study something um what's the what's a good word applicable to get a job out of college and get promotions and move your way up and around to make more and more and more money, blah, 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 blah. 
if if you happen to come from a upper middle class or upper class family, that's that's the machine that's built for you. So to go against that machine is is unorthodox. Maybe a bit selfish, but it really comes down to leaving my job. I was talking to my boss and she had said, when that voice calls, you have to listen to it or you'll be miserable. So I'll deal with the little money problems, but I'll be happier. Um, but yeah, so Sanford and I kind of kind of talk about that. And I just found that it was interesting in terms of timing. And, and it just made me think like the, the, the whole social structure here in in the United States is really not built for people who want to live a more creative lifestyle. And it just makes it a little more challenging. That's it. That's it. I'm not fucking complaining. I'm just saying. It's just a little more challenging. That's it. All right. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think that's all I got here for yous. Um... So yeah, here let's get into Sanford Green and uh, don't be a fucking social parasite. Is that what you were saying? Oh, I was saying yeah. My my wife she she heard a few um, of the podcasts and she was like, wow, you're gonna you're gonna get interviewed by uh, Sean. That's pretty cool, you know, because we have similar, you know, I guess the background is similar with the wives and the family and. And stuff like that. So it's it's one of those things where it's very few few of us that's out there that's you know have two professions, two full time professions. You Absolutely. Know what I'm so yeah. let's uh, let's clear everything out so everyone knows what we're talking about. Yeah. I'm here with Sanford Green. Say what's up. Hey, yo, what's up? What's up? Uh, and we've had a lot of conversations over the past few years. True. Because you started you started teaching. How long ago was that? Um, it's about three years now. And where um, where do you teach? At Benedict College um, in South Carolina. And what what an exactly are you teaching there? Uh, illustration and digital design. All right, cool. Yeah, and of course you have a, a great comic career, which you had before teaching. Correct? Um, I don't know if you want to call it great, but I had a career. You had a good. You, you <laughs> had pretty, a very good career. Pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what? Why did you get go to teaching? Um, simply put. Uh, insurance. Yeah, I um, before that. Uh, the Affordable Care Act—that's what we're going to call it—was uh, implemented. Um, you know, I really needed to make some moves. Um, I actually had an, uh, an opportunity. Give you a quick backstory. Uh, had an opportunity to, to move out west and work for Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers—they offered me uh, a position on staff. And, um, in animation? In animation, actually. TV or, or feature? It's, um, it was uh, both. It okay. was both. And uh, <clears throat> it's funny because my wife, she wanted to quit her job. She was getting tired of her job, getting stressed and all that stuff. And she wanted to, to come home and be able to spend time with the family, the kids and stuff like that and raise them. And, um, you know, I, 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 I felt the pressure you know, to some degree, I was making some good money, but not to the place to where she could come home just yet. This is freelance money. This is freelance uh-huh. money, right? So this thing came along, and um, it's funny because the day that she, her last day at work, 
I got the offer from Warner Brothers, right? Uh-huh. So I'm thinking, okay, this is like manna from heaven here. Okay, here's an obvious choice, right? right? My wife comes home. I shared the good news with her, what I thought was good news. And she kind of, um, she said, oh, she okay, cool. She didn't want to move? She didn't want to move, man. So she decided just, to quit her job before you knew this? No. But before I knew about Warner Brothers, the Warner Brothers deal, yeah. yeah, for the most part, yeah. So you guys had decided that she would quit her job and you'd rely on your freelance income only, right? Yeah, and, and you know, like I said at the time, I was doing fairly well. And was was this like a transitional thing? Like I'll just find a different job, or she was just like I'm going to come and stay home with the kids, stay home with the kids. Okay, yeah. How old were the kids at this time? Um, I think Malcolm, my oldest, he was eight or uh-huh. nine. And we just had my youngest. Uh, oh, okay. Mason. So yeah. you had a newborn. Yeah, yeah. So that was the the pull mainly because of Mason, my youngest, where you know she wanted to be there with him and, and raise him. How many she kids do you have? Two boys. Two, two boys. All right. Well, two that's boys, a big boys. gap between kids. Yeah, like almost six years. Yeah. Wow. Almost six years. So I mean, Mason, you know, again, he was a newborn. Malcolm, he was in school, of course. So that was. You know, that kind of took care of itself, but she just felt like she missed out on some things with my oldest. We both did, you know, um, because we were both trying to make a living. Um, before I even got into the freelance thing, I did graphic design for four or five years, something like that. You How know? long ago was that? Mm. See, I graduated in 2000, right? And From um, from College. College. What yeah. college did you go to? Um, I went to Benedict as well. So, okay. Oh, um, so that's where you're teaching. This is a full circle with this story here All with right. the Benedict thing. So um, graduated, did the graphic design thing because my internship turned into a job, right? Uh-huh. So that was pretty cool. But, you know, of course, I wanted to do comics full right. time. So around 2001, 2002, I quit the graphic design thing and I really pushed to go into Were you trying comics. to get into comics while you were at the graphic design job, like going to cons on the weekend oh, and yeah. stuff? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a tough thing to do. It's crazy. It's uh, crazy. That's something that comes up a lot as a teacher with students. Like I'm always telling them, you're going to need a job while you pursue this. Then they get a job and you're like, well, how, all my time's at the job. How do I pursue it? It's like, you, gotta, you just got to do you it. You got to do it. Yeah. I mean, you just have to realize that, you know what, sleep is not going to happen right now. It's just yeah. not. You and can't. when you're young, you can, like, I can't do an all-nighter now. It's not in me. <laughs> Absolutely. But back then, you do it, and, you know, it fucks you up a little bit, but oh, yeah. you get over it quick. Right. If I did all-nighter now, I'd be out. Dude, I, 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 can't, even, can't, I can't even say the word all-nighter. Yeah, it that, horrifies you know, me, because yeah. we've done a lot of it. I get a headache thinking about it. All right, so yeah. continue on. Well, you know, so, you know, uh, again, <clears throat> once I... Went full time into freelance, you know. Of course, my wife was working, you know, and you know we speed up until you know the time where she wanted to leave. She mm-hmm. left. I, sh- I shared with her about the Warner Brothers thing. She felt some kind of way about that, and um, I was I was really um, I was at a crossroads, man. I was like, you got to be kidding me, you know, all this time. This is what we've been asking for. Right. You know, at least I thought. So was this a, a dream job for you? Would you have been happy in animation not doing comics? Well, you know, it's, it, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason, man. I mean, uh-huh. it's like I thought that was what it was. I had to take, take a step back. Everything, you know, in life, 
you should always take a step back at every turn as far as, you know, things that, you know, events that take place in your life. You just need to take a step back and, and kind of examine it for it, what it is and see right. what it really is because sometimes it's not what you think. Um, I that's think true. that's that's what that situation was for me. You know, I was like, okay, this is it. It's yeah. got to be. It's there, obvious. Look at the signs. There's danger I'm finding in playing the safe card. Right. I mean, like something like that sounds attractive immediately because it's salary mm-hmm. and benefits. Exactly. It's not what freelance is. Right. But by taking the safe path, that's kind of where I, I've landed. Like the safe path for me mm-hmm. has put me in a position where I've got two jobs and and I can't. It's just killing me, completely killing me, and I can't do both. And yeah. and taking the leap to leave the teaching job, I, I'm just realizing this is not a leap of faith. Like I'm just this is just what I'm going to do, and I'm going to make it happen. Right. Right. And it feels good. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a certain level. I mean, at every turn. I mean, for me, honestly, it's the reverse where me taking my teaching job was a leap of faith because uh-huh. okay, when my wife, she wasn't feeling really encouraged about moving out west. Okay. <clears throat> You How know, did that – was that a was that a point of tension for you guys for a while? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I, I, I try to do, again, is I want to really understand what, what's really happening right now mm-hmm. in, in my life or in my situations. Um, you know, I, I, have, I have a faith that I rely on uh-huh. that kind of helps me to clear my head and – my heart, because sometimes, again, it's clouded, man. I can get excited sure, about something. Sure, may not be the best thing. Well, for, tell me, tell me you what know. you were thinking at this moment, because you got this incredible opportunity to work in animation, which I, I know it's in your blood. I know right. comics is your main focus, but I right. know this is in your blood. Right. You, you were your wife had just left the the salary and benefits for you guys. Right. And I know it's scary looking down the freelance shotgun for money and benefits. Right. And here you are, like great opportunity, perfect timing, and she's like, "No, I don't feel like moving out <laughs> there." What do you know? I'm, so I'm how, like, what's wrong with you? you? Are you kidding me? So what's happening right now? What I was feeling at that moment was um, somewhat uh, resentment to some degree. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, sure. obviously frustration, resentment in the sense of all this time I've been working for this moment, and I feel like you're you're. You're not happy or excited for not just for me, but for us as right. this family. Exactly. Because here, here we are with this thing set up for us. But that's um, it's one thing. To, it's important to illustrate that point because it's mm-hmm. a, it's a good one. That although our, our I feel like our artistic endeavors are driven initially by selfish motives because right. this is our dream, our passion. Right. But it comes a point where this is also the engine that's supporting the the wife and kids and, and the family. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it it's like I wrestled with lately, like, is this just selfish of me to be doing comics? But I see a lot of positives coming out of it. Well, I mean, you, it, you know what's it's funny is that, um, <clears throat> man, for, for years I've struggled with the trying to be the, the provider mm-hmm. with my profession. Yeah. And that – this is going to sound weird in saying this, but what I probably I, feel the same way. So go yeah. ahead. Well, what I learned is that you can't necessarily 
put that type of pressure or that type of emphasis on that, especially if you're not um, with the responsibilities that you have with children. You know, if you just had a wife, maybe, you know, that could kind of. But now you're talking about a a bigger pool that you got to deal with. You got kids involved with this thing now. Exactly. And the demographic just in, in just in where we're. You know where we live, where we uh, we, we uh, reside. It's like you know we're we're in a place where you know just from living where we're at right now. It's not California. It's not even New York. It's mm-hmm. not Chicago. It's not not even Charlotte. You know, right. we're in a rural area. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot. And of course, you know, with the, the digital you know age, we can work from anywhere. Right. But that's still not. You know, yeah, yeah. You it, don't have a, like a metropolis, near right? You. Right. So there, there's a lot to be said about that <clears throat> because not only are you, you're, you're, you're trying to provide for your family, but you're also trying to, it's a, it's you're trying to prove yourself too to people that you're in, a, you're in an environment where everyone is about the nine to five. Everyone right, thinks right. nine to five. Everyone thinks right. You know, salary. Uh, benefits, right? Pension, whatever you want to call it, and if those things don't add up to them, then you're not doing anything, right? So you have that pressure, and it's and you know I, for years I struggled with carrying all of that burden. Uh-huh. You know, my family. Oh my gosh, my my family. You you might be able to relate to this, but you know, my I'm talking about my mom, my dad, uh-huh. and so on and so forth. Sure. You know, for years they they thought what I did was cool. Right. Didn't understand it. Yeah. So where, where where do you work again? You know, it, it's got to be physically visible. Yeah, do you go in? Is it a nine to five? Right. What, what are you right. What are you doing? What, that's what's the, happening? That's and, the you know. really really difficult thing is that you're raised in in a culture right. where you've got to get the salary and the benefits, mm-hmm. and that you know I was raised in a house and my parents had all good intentions. It was like. Pursue your comics, but have a fallback. But have a fallback. Well, if you right. have a fallback, guess what's going to happen? You're, That's you're where you're going to land. You're in it, yeah. So you're just raised to think like this idea of having a freelance lifestyle is – it's not real. People don't do that, and the people that do it are crazy. Some of them are lucky and get successful, but most of them just fail and they starve, fail. and they don't have a right. house and yeah. all that stuff. I found the opposite to be true. Right. Um, a, a lot of people that we know – that live the freelance lifestyle seem to do a very good job of providing for their kids and having everything they need. Absolutely. And they build their own retirement plans. They form their own corporations. Exactly. So it's strange that in in a capitalist culture where you're raised to believe the highest, the best thing you can do is start your own business, that by doing what we do isn't looked at as starting your own business. But that's that's all it is. It's funny because... You know, we I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole just yet, but you know, okay. just with the Affordable Care Act, just thinking about what that is. That that was huge that for me. Is exactly what you're talking about will produce it breaks the system. It's gonna down. break the system it down. It lets people pursue what where, they want yeah, to do. Yeah, so now the entrepreneurial you know, entrepreneurial mindset is gonna be a lot more Absolutely. you know visible because now that that overarching concern is now taken care of. Right. So now, you know, but, you know, I digress. For for me, you know, but again, being in that type of environment, that society, 
you know, where the the traditionalists are thinking, you know, like what you just mentioned, nine to five, you know, you know, security benefits and so on and so forth. Huge strain on everything that I did. <clears throat> so it made me work harder. Right. Not necessarily smarter. Right. You yeah, know? That's a good difference. You know, I did a lot of just stuff. Right. To, to gain more capital. Right. But it, just, it, it wasn't, it didn't really gain anything for my career. Right. Per se. You know, I just, right. I just did it, did it to make a check. And that's to, where to I'm, get a check. I'm coming out of that myself yeah. now. And I'm, I'm learning that picking the right projects and the passion projects mm-hmm. might be a little more financially risky, but in the long run, they're going to pay much more pay dividends. Much more dividends you know, and golly, man, it's, we can talk for hours about just bad decisions that I've made in the past about, uh, you know, projects that I jumped on simply because it was a check or because it was something that I could say, see, look, I've arrived. Yeah. See, yeah. look, well, I'm valid. I, mean, I you know, think we're all, we're all guilty of that. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think it's a thing of being guilty. I just, it's natural, it's especially natural when you've got thing. a family. You've got to take the job. And Absolutely. You're looking at every job as what is this going to do for my big career, not just this job. What is it going to do for my, my big career? And also, can it validate the traditional you know, viewers, the right. people that look from the outside in, when they see this, now does it make sense that, look, I am working on – Spider-Man, or right. I'm doing... Right, something know, they can recognize. They can recognize. Now, and when now, you say you know, these traditional people, are you talking about neighbors and stuff, or are you talking about your family, like mom and dad? Neighbors, family. So uh, do you find Jesus, that, you know, that your neighbors <laughs> have trouble relating to what you're doing? Um, uh, okay, then I did. I had uh-huh. a problem with it. Now I'm okay whether they can relate to it or not. Right. See, it, it's like... I've learned that you're not going to necessarily change. You can be, you know, Stan Lee or whatever. Mm-hmm. If they don't understand, they're not going to understand. That's, That's just the bottom line to it. So I had to come to a place where I'm at peace with that. Sure. Um, and that's that That was maturity in, in, in thinking and decision-making over the years where, you know, I just had to be comfortable with who I am and exactly. what I'm doing professionally exactly. and so on and so forth. So. You know, it's well, it's and that's that. on them. That's not on right. you. It's their problem, not yours. I've just yeah. I've found that. I mean, my kids were were we live in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I, I live in a, a small townhome development, small houses, right? But we're surrounded by big houses. Mm-hmm. So all my kids' friends' parents have big houses, right? And every time we go to a social function at one of the houses, it's like. You tell them you were from Marvel. I've had the opposite. They're like, "That's amazing. That's yeah. so cool. You have a cool job." Right. And it's like, "Yeah, I love my job, but you don't <laughs> but understand you, what my job means. Yeah. I live in the small house across I live in the, the small street. House, exactly. So, you, and, you know, and and it's funny because, and that's a whole other conversation right there too, man. This once you're at peace with where you are professionally at least from my experience, that's when people, they tend to accept it. It's just, it's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's interesting just how it, it, it starts to form and come together all this time. The thing that you've been trying to, you, to press on people. Now they're starting to go, 
wow, like you just said, that's mm-hmm. that's amazing. That's yeah. cool that you're actually doing what you love. And <clears throat> sometimes the big house folks, if you know, let's call them that, when they say that kind of thing, it's like a revelation. Like, yeah, yeah I am doing. I'm actually doing what I love. Absolutely. There's no. There's no strain of man i wish i could be doing that or right i'm this is being done yeah. so it it really makes living in living in a small house gratifying absolutely that i'd that, rather that, drive a honda yeah than and do what i do than drive a mercedes and do what they do and do it's just a yeah. car the thing is those people like that are making more money they're just spending more money spending it's not more that money. the quality of life is any better right and in the long run I get to work on what I chose to work on. Yeah. And I, I like that. Yeah. I like to be in, in the driver's seat of life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and with that, you know, of course, your family is going to thrive. They're, yeah. they're going to do so much when better. When your kids, Confidence do, do you notice, and, like, when your kids see you doing what we do and that you you wanted to be an artist, you wanted to draw comics, and daddy's upstairs working for Marvel right now, like, are they, like, do they think that's cool as hell? They they do. Um, I say that with uh, some hesitation, only because you know my older my oldest kid, he's twelve, about to be thirteen, mm-hmm. and you know he's starting to grow. It's one of those things where it's cool to, on a certain level. Right. It's cool because I'm doing what I love to do. It's not the comic thing that he's amazed by it's that you're you know, doing what you want i'm to do. doing what i want right to do. And i think that's and what an important happens, lesson yeah. that that it imp- you impress upon them and yeah and that's and that's a like you just said that's a, a a more valuable lesson for 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 all of our kids that as they grow you know lord willing we'll still be doing this thing sure you know 10 years 20 years down the road and like wow they they never they never give up that's yeah. a, that's a lesson mm-hmm. to learn mm-hmm. they doing what they love to do they're providing for their families to being responsible. Right. You know, and you can do that. this. The yeah. opposite of what yeah. we were taught. Absolutely. Don't pay attention to that over there. That's, that's irresponsible. That's yeah. it's all the opposites of what it really does teach. Right. If you're doing the right thing. Exactly. I, I, I say this to a lot of friends all the time, even my students, you know, it's kind of like what you said earlier about, you know, trying to balance life and, you know, to get all overwhelmed and, you know, they pitch a fit over, you know, oh, I got to work tonight and I got an assignment due tomorrow. Right. I'm like, you know, playing the world's smallest violin. Dude, when they, when they like bitch about me. having a project due, it's like you don't know how easy you have it. <laughs> I know, Try right? Try out a Marvel deadline. Try a Marvel deadline and you got a kid that has the flu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. And you, you got know, the flu too from the kid. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, of course, you know, I don't know if anyone from Marvel will listen to this, but, you know, at the same time, you know, whether it's Marvel or any other publisher or, or any other company, you know, it's freelance. Yeah. And all they know is deadlines. Right. And they're not going to, you know, say, oh, man, you know, your your, your kid is sick. Well, take some time off. And, oh, you know, yeah, get, yeah. That you know, it's, it's not. Whereas in the in nine the, to five, it's like yeah. you call him. Look, both kids are sick. I got to stay home today. My wife's going to stay home today. Right. All right, you take the day off. Take the no, day like, off, yeah. No, the, the day off for me that. home with a sick kid is I got a, I have a portable art studio in my house mm-hmm. and my real art studio outside my house. So that just means I got a sick kid on the couch. I'm right next to them drawing, getting them soup, getting them tea. Exactly. Taking their temperature. <laughs> and then on top of that, you have that, that, I guess, that calendar you know, in your in your head of okay, 
I've lost a day or two. That calendar. And now, you know, I have to make it up. And that means something else. Schedules my life because of that. Deadlines. I'm always thinking about that. Dude, I mean, that's that's why I I made um, my art book. I did an art book, a series of um, books over the years called Deadlines. Because Mm -hmm. ever since I really started getting, you know, work, you know, doing freelance, that's been it. And, again, that's where – that's the other side of where people – are you know they're very yeah they get perplexed over your schedule if yeah. you know hey we're going to out to dinner oh, oh i can't God. right yeah. now because i got a deadline oh uh, yeah. really well all you're doing is blah 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 you know and i'm like no it doesn't work like yeah, that that's another thing people don't understand the reality of our job is when we're under deadline it can be seven days a week it can be yeah. saturday night it can be friday it's night. it's whatever it takes to yeah, get it done exactly at that actual deadline. that's that's the cost of doing what we love to do right is that we have to work a lot more than the nine to fivers. Right. And at our, you know, vacation time and weekends, like weekends are something I look at. I, I started a policy about a year ago where Sundays I don't work, period. Right. Because right. that's the day I'll spend with the family. Yeah. And just having that one day off changed so much for me. I was happier, but mm-hmm. that's one day. Most people get two days. Two days, maybe and even that one, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that one day is usually like, yeah, I'm going to be with the wife and kids today, but we got to go grocery shopping. Exactly. We, she needs new shoes. You have to make got, up everything yeah. that you didn't do Catch up the on week. the bills. Yeah. Right, right. And Saturday that is that day. day. Yeah, Saturday is that day for me is the catch-up day. Sunday, I mean, I work on Sundays, but it's Sunday evening. For the most part, Sunday is family day, mm-hmm. catching up with friends, maybe having a, a lunch or a dinner or people yeah. coming over, that kind of thing. Um you know, we you know we we try to do that consistently. Saturdays is just um, you know all out chores. I got my yeah. kids running around, man. I, <laughs> I oh my god, I can't even begin. I mean, laundry that's been backed up for weeks. Months, yeah, piles. piles do you pile? Yeah, it, I man. got that too. Oh my and, god. You know, and, and it's one of those things where you, you're like, okay, this 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 got it has to be different, but. The only way that it will be different is that I just changed my profession. Yeah. Because, again, I had to accept the fact that there's going to be a pile of laundry. This is our lifestyle. That's, that's backed up for yeah. a couple of weeks. And I have to just that's be okay lifestyle. with that. You're right. You it know? took me a while to not lose my mind over that. Like it <laughs> did. Know, yeah. And, you know, it's just one of those things where every, every, every phase, you know, even my kids getting sick, you know, a couple of weeks ago um, – my oldest son had a severe asthma attack. Um, both of my kids have asthma, right? And um, Like daily inhaler asthma? Daily. You know, for the most part, when the weather changes, like how it's all freaky yeah. right now. Yeah, the allergy um, season. Yeah, it just kind of kicks in. Of course, the pollen and it's stuff. It's bad in the south. Yeah, it, it gets rough. I mean, even some of that, we. I thought about, you know relocating moving because it yeah, was just I thought about hard. that too I didn't have any allergy like I had minor little itchy nose and eyes up north when I lived right, up there right but when I moved down here I had my first asthma attack I had no idea what that was <laughs> and and I never had trouble breathing ever mm. since I've lived here every spring is a struggle to breathe yeah it's it's rough it's man brutal it's real rough I mean and this year I even said to myself I don't want to do this again. Like I got laid out with a chest infection and the flu and it was all allergy. I got hit all yeah, at once. That's, that's some rough stuff. And I just man. said to my wife, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, and it's funny, man, you know, with my, with my kids and my wife, I mean, 
you know, we've had some pretty challenging things that, that have happened to us health-wise mm-hmm. over the last two and a half years, right? My wife, she had surgery, a major surgery. Um, everything is fine now. She's recovering. <clears throat> and, um, you know, my kids, of course, they have their allergies and stuff like that. Um, well, is that you know, is that why she left work, or this was a while after she left that work? That was a while after, but oh, okay. I really believe that she was feeling some things before. Uh-huh. And I think we, I guess it was kind of a, I don't know if it was more of a subconscious thing to, you know, you know what, I need a break. Right. But we didn't know it was actually health. We thought it was just fatigue and just uh-huh. tired of work, but okay. it was actually some health things happening. So she, you know, she she got, you know, she had a surgery and everything was well. I, you know, it, it got better over time, but uh-huh. it was such a uphill battle, man, just with trying to, you know, help her and, 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 and maintain, you know, the, the kids and, of course, keep my schedule. How long did recovery take? We're still recovering, man, to be honest with you. I mean, she she's honestly, I would say, 80% where okay. she needs to be. Because um, last summer, my wife just had reconstructive knee surgery. It was mm. nothing major, nothing like in terms of health, nothing threatening. Right, right. But just that two months while she was in bed of me trying to stay on deadline, take care of the kids. Exactly. It was over the summer, so they're not in school. Yeah. And I, I almost lost my yeah. mind. It's, I don't know how you did it's, it's, it for it's, this it's, long. It's funny because, well, I, honestly, um, you know, not – trying to go too far into into this but you know with her with her situation with our i i claim it as ours i mean you, you have to you yeah, can't you can't is. you it, can't divide it, it or separate it or yep. anything like that you know i had to be at peace and again my my peace comes from you know my faith but it also allows me to to not let emotions get in the way here yeah. because I can feel some kind of way about this. Like I can't believe this is happening yeah. now, and my career is suffering. And right, right. You know, and in the past I did that. Right. You know, um, shamefully I did that. It was more of you know, man. You know, everything. Every every time that there was an issue, there was stress, uh-huh. and it wasn't stress because you know the kids are sick or my wife is not feeling well. It was stress because okay, this is cutting into my work. Yep. And, man, that was one of the things that I had to, over the years, get on straight. And I think over these last few years, I mean, it's kind of like we were were put through, man, we were or are being refined by fire, man. It's like every situation, you know, especially with the health, was challenging. And, you know, kind of making this full circle, I'm – very fortunate that we didn't go out to California because that would have been a disaster because she sure. would have had the same thing. We would have been away and, from family. Right, you'd have a day job to go and to. And would have to go yeah, to a day yeah. job. And then even found out, kind of going back to that whole story, to, to close that part out. Yeah, let's do that. You know, you know, <laughs> Warner Brothers, you know, great company, but a lot of the stuff that they were saying, they weren't really on the up and up about what, my situation would be out there. We're talking uh-huh. about uprooting my whole family. Sure. <clears throat> you know, they said, well, just come on out and um, and see if you like living out here. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. But I got a few <laughs> questions about that. Right. What does that mean? You know, I don't, I'm not coming alone if I do decide to come. 
And again, you know, they were, you know, very ambiguous about it. You know, yeah, you know, well, you know, I think you'll be fine. Just come on out and get you all ready, you know, set up for, you know, work. I'm like, well, okay, work is, okay, I understand it's important, but I got to get this living situation squared away. I had two weeks to try to figure out all that stuff. It was crazy. And on top of that, get my wife on board. Right, right. right. So long story short, the more questions I asked, the more it was just like, this is not good. This is not set up to be exactly what I needed to be. And I got advice. I mean, you know, again, taking a step back, really examining the whole situation, not just taking it for what it is, you know, oh, my wife is not on board. She's being uncooperative. Oh man, this is a great opportunity. And she's not with me. I don't, uh, you know, I had to take, take a step back from that and really examine, well, why, why is this the way that it is right now? There's all signs, right? So, you know, after more questions, found out more things weren't adding up. Um, I got with a, a guy Who's, he's kind of like a mentor to me. You know, he's a great biz- businessman. Um, I got with him. We had dinner. I was telling him my whole situation. And he just, I don't know, he's just out of the blue. He said, dude, you, you, you travel a lot. You do a lot of these workshops at like SCADs and other institutions. Uh-huh. Why don't you teach? And I'm just like, what? Are so you- this is a South Carolina. This is South Carolina. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, when he said that, I mean, there was no way in the world. I mean, the minute... He said, I already know where he was going. Right. I was like, no, man, never. And um, <laughs> that was the first time. Um, this is still in a two-week span. We had dinner again. Well, I spoke to a, another friend, and then I got with my wife. We talked over some stuff. And I just kind of, I don't know what possessed me to even say anything. And I said, man, you know, um, Antonio, that's my mentor. I said, man, Antonio, I was talking to my wife. She, want, he, He's thinking, he's asking me to go into teaching. And I said um, to him, are you crazy? I, I don't want to do that. You know, I, I don't mind doing workshops. Mm-hmm. And my wife's like, I think that's great. You're wonderful with kids and, you know, you connect with them. And she was just in, it was the total opposite. It was what I thought she would have reacted to with the Warner Brothers thing. She was more oh. excited about <clears throat> that. And I'm looking at her going, what is wrong with you? You know, why are you, you know, anyway. Did so you feel threatened she, in terms of protecting your art career that teaching might become absolutely. a penetrable force? Oh, oh yeah. The, 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 again, over the years, any situation, whether it's my family, and I had to learn. I had to learn to be at peace with where my situation is or was or whatever because it wasn't the reality was it really wasn't a threat to my career. I just had to learn to adjust. You had to learn to be flexible. You had to learn to be flexible. Yeah. It's part of growing, it's part of maturity. Absolutely. I've and learned three tenets in life that I'm trying that are helping me. Yeah. Flexibility is an important one. Mm-hmm. That's where that's how you prevent freaking out from mm-hmm. stress. Right. You're like, this is the situation, let me bend. Right. Um, balance. Mm-hmm. Making sure you're not just always in your studio, but you got a family that needs you, and you got other things to take care of. So you exactly. got to balance everything out. True. And strength, just having the men- not just physical but mental strength mm-hmm. to give everything what it needs uh, as well as you can. You know, and let's take that a step further. I mean, again, kind of going back to just that through 
my faith, all that stuff, all mm-hmm. those components, all those attributes are exactly what I came to the conclusion that, you know, those things I should have had to begin with, but I was selfish. It's like there, there were things that I thought I had on straight, but when it came to that one thing, you know, that one, you know, aspect in my life, my career, mm-hmm. it was hands off. It was like not even my family yeah. could come before that. I didn't want to admit that. I didn't want to own up to that. Yeah. But I, I, once I realized that, you know what, it's all about me right now with yep. this whole situation. Yep. That's what I was getting <clears throat> at earlier with the selfishness. Yeah. Stuff. But it, it almost, it's because you have to work so hard and so, you have to work in so many different ways and angles to, to get it. And then the deadlines are so oppressive. Right. It's almost like a, a, a survival mode. It's a survival mode. It's a proving ground, manhood, you know. It's instinct. It's that whole thing of, see, I told you I can do it. See, right. I've made it. You know, I grew where up. Does it, you know, where where do you think that comes from? That want, needing to prove yourself. Well, that I was going to allude to some of that. I mean, I grew up with, and I think we all, every creative person, athletic or whatever it may be, whoever, anyone that has any kind of talent, uh-huh. more than likely, it was developed off of pressure, one way or the other, uh-huh. whether it's pressure from someone else right. or pressure on yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, or, I agree. You know, I, I agree and, with the sentiment that we are trying to prove something, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's it's by working in comics, you're working in a, in a published art form. It's like you're trying to prove to as many people as you can through each issue, right? That you can do it. That I can do it. You know, it's like you said. Where does it Where does it come from? And that's God, man. I mean, that's an, an age old question i don't think it'll ever necessarily i mean it's just since the beginning of time you know but you even animals deal with that sure you but know it's there's like nothing you have to, specific from your childhood you remember anything from me from the specifics um it's always something man i mean for me you know i was surrounded by a lot of people that believed in me mm-hmm. right but it only took one incident or one person or whatever to doubt me mm-hmm. right and it's almost like that whole thing about being the worst, your, your own worst critic, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, where that stuck with me long, much longer than all the heaps of praise. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, yeah, God, yeah. I mean, the beginning of my career was, golly, man, it was one of those things where it was brutal. Man. It was brutal. I mean, I had, I can't name names, but I had one guy that basically told me, you know, and he's still around. I see him at cons and stuff. And it's one of those things where I should say his name. No, I'm just kidding. No, but it's one of those things where. Uh, Are you talking about an editor? I, I he's he's a creator. Okay. Let's put it that way. Okay. And you know he 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 basically just got got into me, man. He dug into me pretty hard, young. I mean, and he he worked with a lot of like talented guys mm-hmm. that were coming up. Right? right. We all kind of came up around the same time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got thrown in there because I, I would hang out with these guys, um, you know, um, back then, you know, uh, Scotty and, and uh-huh. um, uh, Karan Grant. I don't uh-huh. know if you know yeah, his yeah. work. And, yeah, definitely. You know, all these dudes, man, you know, 
<clears throat> they would um, we would all hang out and stuff like that, and they started getting some published work, and um, you know, of course, me being associated with them, they thought, okay, you you obviously you can do something too, and I'm like, great, um, but again, it's like you're being measured by your peers who. Honestly, they were just light years ahead of me. You know, uh-huh. they were doing things that was like phenomenal work. I mean, Karan was one of those dudes. That was, you know, yeah, he, it was mind, it was, it was yeah. mind boggling what he was doing at that time. <clears throat> you know, and it was challenging because you you were comparing yourself to them, you know, a lot. And then on top of that, these outside people, these publishers or whatever, they were you know looking at. Well, okay, he's doing this. What are you doing? Can you do the same thing or can you do something close to that? And, you know, put a lot of pressure on myself to do and perform like that. Uh-huh. You know, this dude, um, you know, when 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 I turned my work in, he was like, "Dude, this is, you know, you're 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 nowhere near professional. I don't even know why I bothered with you." Oh. Uh you know, I it think was we all have that guy. Oh yeah, that we guy. Had to- I remember when when I got, I had sent out my. You know, remember we used to send out sample packets, Xerox. <sighs> yeah, was, we had to spend a day at, at the nuts, Xerox man. machine yeah. and yep. mail it all out. Yep. And so, I had got my first job. It was for Wildstorm, and it was the day after I got the call and got offered the job. I got a rejection letter from Oni Press. Saying everything you just said, I'm not ready. I've got a while to go. Like all yeah. this stuff, and I now I had a job. Right. Nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. You had a job, but yet that one, you could have had a million jobs, but yeah. that one would have still made you feel yep. the way that you felt. But that's that's this business. Yeah. And then then the that's, minute the minute that other people see you doing well on that book, those same people who said you weren't ready. They're calling you up. They're calling you up. Wanting to and, work. And it's weird because I mean, full you know, full circle with that story is that you know I had dinner with that person. Mm-hmm. We were in a big group in San Diego, and recently, I think it was last uh, about three years ago. Yeah, and um, you know, me and that person we're we're we're, we're fine, mm-hmm. but. It's funny how it, it, you know, the whole dynamics, it all changed. Now he's, hey, you know, yeah. we need to work together. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay. okay. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, I could I could be that dude, right? You know, I could be like, sure, well, now sure. you want to work Hold with a me. Grudge. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, that doesn't help. It doesn't the thing help, is, it, it, it teaches us to not be like that. Because, like, you'll see young guys coming up, young girls exactly. coming up. Right. And you got to remember that they're going to come up and they're going to be right where you are one day and you mm-hmm. can't treat them shitty now because yeah. that'll come back on you later. You know, there's a there's a young guy that I'm, several guys that I'm working with right now. I think that's one of the things about being a professor that that other, you know, aspect of, you know, your career mm-hmm. is very gratifying, man. I mean, yeah, the the rigors of you know, forming a syllabus and yeah. All right, let's well, we're going to get there. I want to you know, so okay. what got you into teaching? So you had this bug in your head from your friend. You <laughs> okay. told your wife what you got behind it. Full circle here on that. Um bug in the ear. Um started thinking about it. Um honestly prayed about it because it was like, all right, I need I need some kind of med that's like my meditation just trying to think through all this stuff and make sure because this is a huge deal, right? Mm-hmm. This is like moving across country with my family with a job that starting to look a little iffy. Right. And then this thing started to really merge and is looking more and more solid. 
like rapidly. So one, so it an was, opportunity had presented itself. The opportunity for you to presented teach. itself. Um, okay, so my alma mater, the president, um, saw he 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 was a part of. Uh, well, he came to um, an exhibition that I had mm-hmm. like a month earlier, right? right. And he. He contacted me, and I never replied. <laughs> he contacted me about you know you you need to think about trying to come. And it's funny because I didn't I didn't say that I didn't mention that earlier. He had already put out an offer, and now my oh, mentor is saying oh, this, oh, okay. and then now these dots are starting so all the signs are starting to connect. So I'm like, okay, I just got this offer, and and then I have another mentor, um, this cat named Tyrone Jeter, who's he's a ridiculous artist man he's like a john singer sergeant mm-hmm. you Painter. Know? oh yeah he's like that that kind of uh skill set mm-hmm. you know he teaches at this school and he taught me and um so I, I ran some stuff by him after talking to my wife my mm-hmm. other friend and then thinking about that email or you know from the president he was like dude you have to be crazy if you don't take this because the 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 offer is on the table, you know, meaning you can kind of set your own right, parameters right, on right. this thing. And, you know, when he said that, that's when it really started to just kind of go, all right, I got to really start moving. Was this because this. you were looking for, you were looking for insurance and something more stable? Yeah. 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 It was, it okay. was, it was that deal mainly because I was in a place, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, you know, having kids and I, it got to the point to where I didn't care about, Working on the biggest book at Marvel or DC, or I just didn't care. I, right. I, you know, I, I I wanted to work in the industry, right. but I wanted the security. And even even some of the top guys, you know, they you know they were talking about all the issues that they were dealing with sure. with yeah. security. You know, and yeah. I'm like, whoa, let me let me kind of take a step back here before right. I'm caught out there. And then, you know, just see, going to conventions and seeing how people work, man, it's just, it, it was very eye-opening to see how much stock is put into, you know, just that little bit of, you know, that, that little area as far as mm-hmm. the conventions and um, uh, even, you know, someone told me uh, earlier that year, or actually, a while um, prior to that, they told me about. Uh, we were just talking about, um, you know, just getting work, and um, he was sharing about how he was almost out of work, and he needed to find something else. And he's a pretty well-known illustrator, right? And I'm like, okay, you were just on a really big book, mm-hmm. and now you're just looking, right? You know, and right. I ran into him at one of the, you know, companies. When we were up in New York, because you know you visit the different, you know, uh, publishers, right? And um, you know, I ran into him, and he was up there looking for work, and I'm looking at him, thinking, "Well, if this guy is struggling to find That's something, the truth, then it's job, what does job. that mean? Yeah, yep. what, is, what does that mean for job. me? And the danger with being one of the successful guys is you cost a lot to the publisher. Yeah. So they could hire a new gun for half of what you are. Exactly. Maybe not sell as many, but profit more. Profit more. So, you know? yeah, it's job to job. <clears throat> so, you know, I really started to panic. And this is way before 
you know, the the teaching offer um, mm-hmm. sort of around so the same all time. This influenced yeah, your yeah. Decision. So I'm, I'm thinking back on all that stuff, and I said, you know what? I just need to go ahead. And that leap of faith, if you will, was for me was to go the opposite direction that you're going, um, because I, I needed right. to. Well, you know well, what right, right, because you had we're we're we're, we're like mirrors to each other because mm-hmm. I didn't have a, a a career in comics and got into teaching then comics became the next career right you had a career in comics then teaching came in the way right so right. It, it's interesting to have this conversation to see the different perspectives you know and I talked to uh, you know Nathan Fox is a is a good buddy of mine and yeah, we talk I don't know a lot how he does it you know yeah we we had a my god for about a year I was just picking his brain I was talking to you yeah. about just Okay, you know, uh, when I started teaching, I was really trying to implement my my grand yep. scheme, yep. And, yep. you know, and all that stuff. And just hearing him just go over his his schedule, man. I mean, the rigors is that he's gone through, and I think it's smoothed out since then. But it's, mm-hmm. it was insane, absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. And I I I realized that I I just wasn't equipped for that you know we're talking you know academic chair yeah position type stuff yeah yeah and it's like nah i don't know if i want that high of a position and that much responsibility yeah because then that's when your career you can't help but to drop the other career see that for me that my comics career started really taking off about the time that I was firmly established as the department chair for my department. Mm, so, again, yeah. that gets back to what we were saying earlier. Yeah. You either step up and, and do it all and almost break yourself, which is what I almost did. Right. Or you, you, you back off and yeah. you choose one. And I, I mean, again, that was the dream was to do comics. And I was really enjoying running this department. And it was also stable. And we had income and, and benefits, and I had young ones at the time. Mm, I mean, yeah. my son was only a couple of years old, right? And uh, so, yeah, that was a hard, hard few years there, man. Yeah, and, you know, for for me, the the challenge basically was the first year. I just didn't know what I was doing. It, it was, <laughs> I was, I was barely teaching the classes i was just doing more work and they would observe uh-huh. um my uh my teacher he he you know he helped out a lot he helped me to you know to calm down i was so worked up about you know if they d- didn't draw exactly what i was yeah. trying to show them then i failed right you know um so that that insecurity was just running r- rampant but sure. what's what's interesting is that i kind of realized that this is when I started to mature in my thinking when it came to what I do and it's accepting what I do as what it is like you know not try to do more but not settle for less either you right, know? right. Um, just being more comfortable and, and, and confident in um, in what what I'm what I'm about you know as far as my, my skill my work um, ethic, all that stuff. Just being confident that this is what it is, and if I portray it confidently, then it's going to come across. It's going to uh-huh. read to other people, and sure. they'll feel that's like, very okay, true. You know, it's very true. And and that's that's 
teaching, honestly, has really helped me in my career in that sense because now, you know, I can portray those things, like I said, from, with a confidence and feel like, you know, you either accept it or you don't. And, right. okay, if you don't, then I'm not going to, you know, lose sleep over that. Right, you, know? you can't so, please everyone. You got to do what you do. You have and, to do what you do. And you know, people will hire you for what you do. And if you stop was, trying to please them. It, yes, yeah. And for years, that was okay. What's the the hottest movement, art right. movement in comics? Right. You start gravitating towards that right. or whatever. Or um, or or just do what you do and be a trendsetter and instead be a trendsetter. Trend follower. Yeah, yeah. Um, so while you're teaching, you're balancing a comics career on top of it. How how was how are you handling all that? Um. One day at a time, man. Honestly, I mean, I know this sounds kind of well. That, that's how it has but, to be. You know, it's like I, I really, I try to. You know, I, I have a pretty unique situation right now where um, my college, my school, they, <clears throat> I worked it out to where my professional career could benefit. The, the academic side of things. Right, which is a unique position. Which, you know, they hired me, one, because I graduated from the school and was, I guess, a success in their eyes that graduated from the school. Right. So why do you want to suffocate that by putting me in the office nine to five? It, yeah, and, and they listen lose. to you? Yeah. That's a they, battle they, I fought... <laughs> They're still, they're still, they're still, you know, I still had to remind them. I gained gained a lot of ground and then just came to the realization. I I saw the whole map and saw how much ground I gained. I was like, that's not that much ground. (laughs) I got to get out of here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think with, well, my school, I think is smaller um, in size. I think, or it's roughly around the same size. I don't know. I don't know. But um, I think, well, I know for for a fact the art department is, you know, smaller. Uh And, um, but we have a pretty, pretty dope staff, man. I mean, we got guys that are, you know, world-renowned that's, you know, from sculpture. um, And then, of course, I was, I mentioned about Tyrone Jeter. This dude's been, you know, his stuff's been seen all over the world. So you found a good balance between teaching and art right now? Yes, yes. Um, You're going to stick it out? I think I'm – well, yes, for now. For now? I'll stick it out for now. You know, it's one of those things where is – well, let me say this right here because this is part of the recruiting aspect of things is that I want to do something else – like I'll be here for a little long term if I could evolve this thing a little more. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's working out fine now, but yeah. I think I can do more if I'm out there more. Yeah, like, I always the, felt you know, like if they let me be more of an ambassador yeah. for the school by being in my industry and doing what I do and teaching and and leaving me alone and not bogging me down with bureaucratic tape exactly I, that would have been a different situation yeah. and and f- I, I had positioned myself for the most part where that was really starting to happen it was going okay but then the the gears at the top shifted and all that got thrown for a loop and oh, I was like no man. matter how many times I posi- uh, like you have to work really hard to get in that position yeah and when you get there just the turn of one gear and it all falls apart and, and that's the thing that 
again, my situation is unique. I guess hearing you now, I, I kind of realize that, wow, I don't have it as bad as I think I do. But, um, you know. And, and we, look, we I, have, I mean, I didn't have it horrible. It was pretty good. Right. Um, but just, where you want to go, you, you're, you're, you're wanting to evolve in your career. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't matter how good that thing is. Yeah. Well, that you thing's wanna, not great. I mean, yeah. I, have, I had bosses directly above me that were wonderful. But at the very top, it's toxic. Mm. And that's something I cannot change, and no matter what I do, will not change. Well, you know, and I have, at the very top, they really like me, okay? Um, that's how I got there. The president got me there. All right, well, see, that, that and, makes it very and, different and, from my experience. Yeah, so if you're, you know, I guess looking at it from that aspect, then it doesn't matter, you know, and I'm not saying this to be, you know, narcissistic or anything like that but it doesn't matter what anyone else says i know that i'm as long as i'm doing what i originally said i was going to do i know that i'm okay i know that yeah, i'm good yeah. I, I know that i you know there's no you know i have i have meetings you know all the time with my immediate you know um superiors you know my chair my chair yeah. is wonderful you know my dean is so you got a good situation. You know, you know so I, I have, but there's, in that, that area with the dean and stuff like that, that can be challenging a little bit uh-huh. because they just don't understand the whole thing. It's right. just like they're coming totally from another But they respect side. you enough to, yeah. to let you do your thing. Right. Yeah. You know, to and some That's degree. good. Yeah, yeah. That, so, that, that's, that's the most important right. thing. It's, but it's one of those things, too, where things that I want to do, this is the other side of it, what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that, there are things that I want to do in that department that I know they they all got to not only say, okay, cool, go ahead and do your thing, but they got to be involved as well. And right. that's where it gets that's a little... That's the bureaucratic yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's when the thing You can't like, escape that entirely. Yeah, You yeah. can't. Um, I mean, I, 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 this is... I would love to follow up this conversation with Nathan as well. Yeah. Because I, I just... He's doing exactly what I did, but he seems to be doing it all... I, I don't know him to know if he's yeah. if it's tearing him apart like it was. like I could I did it yeah but after uh, three years of doing comics and teaching seven days a week and deadlines and syllabi and all all that and family mm. I, I was cracking at yeah. the seams I mean yeah. I yeah. did have that mentality day at a time just get through the day but there was some long term stuff that mm-hmm. was building up from the inside that I just didn't know and came out in bad ways. <laughs> And, and unfortunately, your family is the first and the greatest to suffer. Yeah. You know, my yeah. wife specifically, our wives. and um, Oh, no doubt. And that, actually, you know. I'm going to uh, hopefully soon I'll do one with my wife because this, yeah. this career destroys marriages. And yeah. I, I've seen it happen to a lot of others. When I first started working, it threw a, a rift through my marriage that was, was hard to come back from. But we came back from and all's good. But Great. Yeah, it uh, it makes things. It's a it's a very difficult lifestyle for a spouse to understand and and deal with. Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult lifestyle. I've I've known you know uh, the same thing. I've I've seen the same thing happen where you know you see these couples. You see them at cons, and then you don't see the spouse anymore. You see the creator. Oh well, you know we're not together anymore. 
I mean, it's very... Yeah, you see it a lot. Yeah, very I common. I mean, this past week was a... Cra- I knew I was coming here to Charlotte for free comic book day, so I knew I was losing the weekend. I, um, I have a, a cover due next week. Well, not... I got to do a cover next week. Right. And uh, I've got a very big job coming down the pipeline to me. I have to do a couple of art things to secure it. So mm. I need to get that done and secure the. I mean, this is career changing type job. Yeah. So and then, my wife had to have a follow up checkup on a mammogram, and she had already had one follow up and it was fine. But then the doctor was like, "We should get a second opinion," mm. and she wasn't clear with me telling me how long it would take. And that's something you got to be there for, right? And. So the night before, she's freaking out because it's just mm. scary. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, she's like, will you go with me? And my immediate reaction, which I'm not proud of, was just stress because, well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm losing all week. And when I get back to school next week, our program's having their five-year review. So I have to mm. go into school all, almost every day, which normally I don't. So right. I'm losing all that time. And it was just like, all crushing down on me. So she just saw my face and, and she got upset, rightfully so. Right. But it's like, I'm just trying to handle this. Like, I don't know what to do and I want to be there for you. But then what about this other stuff? Right. You know, I don't want to let this job sit through my hands when this is what's going to make me leaving my teaching job turn into a move for the better. You, you know, and, and, and it was just like, dude, it's like, it's always like that. It's like, par- stuff parallel always universe, man. It's like, we're, you know, had a similar situation happen. I think it was even yesterday, man, where um, I needed to get to school. Um, I had to, to um, do some some grades because we're, you know, closing out for finals. The finals yeah. is happening now and everything. And, um, you know, of course, free comic book day. I had to, you know, get stuff together for that. And of yeah, course- and try to explain to your spouse. you got to have the kids all weekend because I'm going to go draw for free. <laughs> I'm going to go sit somewhere for free. I'm going to have to pay for a hotel and do all this stuff. But you don't understand. Yeah. This is good for me. This like, is good. Yeah. How yeah. They, they don't get that, and they and they won't. It's just it's just one of those but, things. But where, I, I mean, I do have a great wife, and she's very supportive. So she'd be like, "I trust that right. this is good for you. So right. you go do it." And, and but I think just to show, like, tr- to people who don't get it, like that, you gotta. That's the type of what, shit we have what to I, do. <laughs> what What I try to do is I try to when I'm like San Diego. Um, and this is this is I'm a lot more conscious of it now. Again, just kind of growing and maturing over uh-huh. the years. I'm a lot more conscious of what my wife is going to be going through while I'm away, enjoying you know 80 degree weather and you know all week oh. long you know and meeting movie stars. Dude, you know, it's San like, Diego it's, to them looks like a vacation yeah, and a party. It's insane. I it's thought insane. about it two years ago. I was in San Diego and I, I texted her pictures. I was at the Marriott. And I, I was at, we were having like a little happy hour. It was like a few Marvel editors, a bunch of creators, right? Um, some comedians. And we we're all hanging out there. And I text her pictures of us lounging by the pool with drinks. Then <laughs> later that night, I'm at the Marvel party with some actors. I'm taking pictures and sending them to my wife. Doing selfies. And, and, yeah, and she's like, great. I'm like, wait a minute. That's not good. This doesn't look like work. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> but I'm, that's I'm, what I'm, I'm shoving doing. it in her face. Right, right. Like, check this out. And, and, and all the meals. And yep. then she comes home. And I come home. She's like, "Well, thanks for sharing all your wonderful meals and parties and drinks." I'm like, oh yeah, you get slapped with reality pretty quick yeah, when you get home. That I mean, keeps you grounded. Keeps you grounded, man. I mean, I try to prepare 
um, at least with the kids, I'll give them some outlet. I have friends maybe take the kids and go, you know, take them out to a movie or right. park or something yeah, like that yeah, for yeah. a couple That's of times. Good. You got to do that. You know, um, we got a great support system around Yeah, us. I've got, I mean, my parents you know? are a right. mile and a half from me. And right. they're, they they know, like I always, like when I, now I'm good about it. When I know I got to go out of town, even before I buy the plane tickets, I'm like, I got a conference here. Right. You know, can you help out? Can can we do all this? And, and we work it out and it works out right. good. But yeah, right. it's. Uh, yeah, we have, you know, if it's not family members, we have you know, friends, you know, close relationships um, that, you know, we, we can tap in and we, we trust them because one, they're great with kids. They have kids them, themselves that mm-hmm. are similar to the age of our, our boys. Um, you know, so we have a kind of like a group that we just meet once a month. Right. Yeah. So our relationships great. grow and these kids, their friendships, they're growing that's great. up too. That's so great. now, you know, when, Either of us or anyone else, if they're like, "Hey, we want to just go out for a little bit," can the you know, boys come really over? That's really nice you know? to hear because I mm-hmm. feel like the what's what, what damage is being done to us socially with the erosion of the middle class is the erosion of community. Right, and I feel like like I grew up in a time same as you probably where mm-hmm. community was strong where all yeah. the neighborhood knew all the kids and all mm-hmm. the parents knew everyone knew mm-hmm. everyone and everyone was looking out for everyone right and kids could just run out the front door run around the neighborhood all day yeah and everyone was was involved right and now at least where i live in atlanta it's all me 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 mine here's oh, yeah. my giant house with a fence around it i don't want to <laughs> know you yep. don't come the bother com- me yeah yeah and that and there's no sidewalks in a lot of these communities it's, yeah and it's rough. just the erosion of community yep. And like I said, we live in a small townhouse community, but we have been there long enough that we have sort of built a small sense of community in this development that I'm enjoying now. Because now I feel okay saying to my kids, they're old enough, go out and play and run around the neighborhood. Because I know they're going to be at this house, this house, or this house. Mm -hmm. And those parents are all going to know where each of those kids is. And then this neighbor, this neighbor, this neighbor is trustworthy that if they see him, they'll make a mental note and know what's what. Absolutely, yeah. that's a sad truth about what's going on now is the erosion of the community. That's that's the fabric of who we are. You know, and again, I mean, you know, like I said, we're, we're very fortunate to have relationships like that you know and, it's, and it goes beyond outside of our actual community you know it's a, a church it's you know again and a lot of that a lot of that is from our church group that mm-hmm. allow and then so now you got that other component in right. there. now you know we all know that sometimes you say anything like that there's there can be some weird stuff in, in within the church but we we have a pretty strong group where no, the they, accountability and stuff like that right, is, I get is that. in there's, it. You know what I'm saying? There's really strong churches yeah, with a strong yeah, community. I get all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So what, like all through the podcast, you've been talking about praying and faith. What type of church is it that you go to? It's a, it's a non-denominational, man. It's strictly oh, Bible. It's no, no, you know, no denomination. Uh-huh. Strictly Bible. Uh, it's a Church of Christ. Uh-huh. That's the overarching you know, okay. name of it. But, um, yeah, it's strictly Bible, man. Um, it, it, I can't even really, Were you raised... You know, Raised in it? No, no. When this, this was, it it was, I was in college, uh-huh. and I had some friends go to like one of their Bible discussions, uh-huh. and um, 
I was just blown away because it was totally against what I thought it would be. Okay. Because I grew up in the church. Right. But I, I, I pretty much denounced all that stuff. Uh-huh. I thought it was just like, oh, it's fake, selfish, you know, a bunch of old folks that all they care about is position and right. whatever. And that's honestly, that's still what it is. Sure. You know, but with with this um, particular group in church, it really downplays that a lot. Um, it's very casual in terms of the people. You don't you don't feel this like there's hierarchy or anything so it's more like that. Independent. You know, it's very it's very um, independent in the, in in the, in the I guess in the mindset of there's we know that okay we all were I'm trying to make this not sound so complicated but. We studied. I've, I've read scriptures from the Bible mm-hmm. that really kind of helped me to understand that, okay, church is not supposed to be this thing where it's a bunch of, you know, preachers that tell you something and you just follow blindly. Right. Like the church right. that I go to, most of, most of the members, or pretty much every member, every member knows the Bible. I mean, like, know it. Uh-huh. And this is pretty amazing to me. I mean, you can go to anyone and ask them, you know, what do I need to do to become a Christian? I can show you from the Scripture. In the past, I couldn't do that because right. it was, I was just told, yeah, you know, pray or whatever. I mean, that, uh-huh. that's a part of it, I guess. You know, it, well, it, it is a part of it, but it, that's not it. Right. And when I saw it for the first time, I mean, it's it doesn't matter if it's whatever Bible it can be. NIV or the King uh-huh. James version it's all the same it's, it's all the same but I didn't know any of that man you know uh-huh. so when I saw that it, it it blew me away so I decided to go um to the church and um with some other college students and um I I I said well, okay I, I need to learn more about you know what the the Bible really says because mm-hmm. I can go out here and just kind of hear some stuff and kind of go off of that and dismiss it or whatever and it helped me to learn more about other religions, too. It helped me to really understand, have a respect for them, right. these other religions, because I really understand the Bible now. Gotcha. Not necessarily, you know, it's not, it's, it, I didn't, what's the, what am I trying to say? From the Bible, I understood that, okay, the Bible's version of Christianity is the real deal. There's a lot of other stuff out there that says right. Christian, and you know that's not. It's right. just not real, man. So, um, and that can be controversial because Christianity, you know, for the most part, is kind of taught in an all-inclusive. Oh, just because you say it, okay, okay, cool, you can come on in. But that's not what the Bible really says. Mm-hmm. It just says, you know, there's well, there's a lot of things, honestly, that spell out what a Christian should be doing and should know. From the Bible. So right. just because you say it, that don't mean nothing. Sure. You know. Well, it um, sounds like wh- th- that your faith and your religion, your practice in religion, it brings you a lot of peace and helps you through life quite a bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's pretty much the center of everything. Um, and it, what it does, <clears throat> just from the career standpoint, it really helps to put things in perspective. Um, part of the reason why I'm even teaching you know, because I could have gotten gotten caught up and ran out to California or, you know, right. or whatever, because I was thinking about me more than 
you know, the bigger picture. So, you know, um, it really helps my career and it keeps me grounded because we all know that this is a very competitive industry anyway. And very, it's very like, much. I'm, I'm happy. I'm genuinely happy for people that are successful. That's great. And it's, you know, you know how you get that feeling, man, he got that, yeah, he got that, yeah, he got that, he got that, 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 that assignment or that job. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I feel that I'm not going to lie. I feel sure, it. But sure. I, don't, well, I mean, there, you know, there is a competitive nature right, to it all, but, but you can feel genuine joy for, right. That's like, man, yeah. that's great. Like man. This year, I had so many close friends nominated for Eisner's, and I was just jumping out of my seat for all of them. That's just cool. Like, man, I've been mm. in the trenches with these guys for a long time, and they did it. And he got Eisner nominations. It feels great. You know, it's funny because I, I didn't even care about this Eisner thing until, like, last year. You know, in, in terms of, um, you know, the significance of it, um, I guess to my shame, because I, I, I got a chance to go to the Eisner's. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. And um, I was I was I was humbled by the vast amount of history, yeah. you know, the stare. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, man, you know, to to be nominated, you know, to win, but let alone to be nominated. Yeah, is, uh, honestly, you know, uh, like I, I, the Eisner Awards have become such a popularity contest and a yeah. political game that. Some people who get it truly deserve it. Some people don't. They just played the game better. Right. But that's any awards. Right. But I always hold a special place for the Eisners because when I was first trying to break in, I went to San Diego. This is this is like 15 years ago, mm. maybe a little longer. Mm-hmm. And that San Diego was tiny, tiny little show. And the Eisners were going on. And Frank Miller was this, the keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. So I went to hear him speak. And he gave a talk about what we're talking about, the bullshit of awards and all this. But he said, this award's important. And this award means something Mm -hmm. simply because it has his name on it. Exactly. And that that hit me. And the next day on the floor of the convention, I saw Will Eisner just walking around. And I I had to stop and say, this man built this. Yeah. And he's just one of us. Like yeah. he was walking around shaking hands with whoever the fuck wanted to talk to That's him. That's cool. I went up and just shook his hand and just wow. gushed like a fan. Yeah, and, and I still hold on to that a little bit with the eyes. You know, I wish you know that I was conscious of that stuff. I mean, because I, I mean, of course, I love comics that long. You know, that long ago as well, but wasn't really. Um, knowledgeable of the history of it yeah and and of course the creators that you know built it yeah. from the uh, early impressive. stages there's a lot yeah. there and 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 it's important that we always look back because we're standing on the shoulders of giants yeah really. absolutely absolutely All right, before the card runs out yeah um it's time for that last question let's do it man and it's it's a stupid question because we all know the answer <laughs> is it punk rock sanfer no <laughs> is it heavy metal, Sanford? No. Is it hip hop? You know it. All right. You know it. So talk to me about oh man your history with hip hop. How old were you? What was your first encounter, or how old were you? First, what encounter. was going on? Um, man. Okay, I posted something. I think it was yesterday. Uh, I, I was going to bring yes. it up. You yes. put up that poster for yeah. Crush Groove, dude. Crush Groove. And what did I, I couldn't say? Even 
I went you on said that. Beat Street. Beat Street was and, my movie. Yeah, that was I, my movie. And I and I had to counter with man, Crush Groove, man. I mean, Beat Street was. I'm was not hot. saying it's better. I'm just saying that's the one that's that the one got that me. Like you. Crush Groove got you. Yeah. I mean, I've said it before. When Beat Street came out, I had my little crew of yeah. dudes, and we all had our role. So I was Ramo. All the way. That's I was the crazy. graffiti guy. I started yeah, graffitiing. Yeah, yeah. I just took my kids. We went up to Baltimore, and I <laughs> took them to where I grew up. And we drove on this highway that they were constructing at the time I lived there. There was no highway there. So there's a bridge with an overpass being built. Right. And that was where we bombed every day. I had a backpack, that's, a can. That's crazy. And that's dope. you could see... Where they had painted it over, you could see a oh, little remnant. Yeah, still, of my, oh, that's cool. That was that's awesome. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, man. Um, no graffiti history in my in my time because um, you know I lived in the deep woods, man. And this is this is you know where where, Charleston, where were you? Charleston, oh, okay. South Carolina, man. So how did hip hop find how you? Did, um, there was this college radio station. It's um, always a, it was it's an AM station. Yeah, it was yeah. an AM station. That's where it starts. I couldn't even tell you it was, you know, of course, my dad and my, my mom, they had, you know, records. You know, of course, the, you know, the basic stuff, Al Green, James Brown. Right, right. The old you know, school, soul, uh, R&B. Of course, you know, the big band stuff. Right. Uh, the big group stuff like Ohio Players, Earth, Wind & Fire, you name it, man. Sure. So I'm listening to that stuff. And, you know, of course, this is right around the time where um, African Bambada, you know, the Soul Sonic Force, mm-hmm. um, that track was, you know, the thing Planet that Rock. really, Planet Rock really yeah. got me, you know, that was the first thing I ever recorded. Okay. Um, I took an old church tape, you know, those gospel tapes, yeah. <laughs> and I broke the, yeah. popped the, the, oh yeah, I got that thing popped open, popped that thing and yeah. put some... Some tape. paper, yeah. put some tape oh, over it. Yeah, I put paper yeah, in it. Yeah, See, I yeah. didn't know about the tape yet. I That's I the advanced the version. Right, yeah, right. The tape That's is later. the advanced. <laughs> That's later. I got that paper, put it in there, and um, I don't even know how I learned that. I think I learned it from some kid at school. Yeah, it's always some kid with an older brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, an older brother that yeah. you know, a cousin that lived up north. Right. Oh gosh. <laughs> so honestly, you know, I had friends that had cousins that were from Philly and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And every summer they would come down, we would hang out, and they would come down, and they would have you know their boombox, and they would have music sure. and stuff. And of course, Planet Rock and all that stuff. So it I came knew down what that from was. Philly to came you. down, right. and they brought this stuff, and I'm just like, this is incredible, you know, as a you know seven, eight year old kid yeah. hearing this stuff, and I'm you know floored by this stuff. And of course, yeah, it, it now I'm hearing it on the radio in the in the country, I'm hearing this stuff, at least a few things. Mm-hmm. And then um, there was this um, there was this station called um, the Big DM, and they would have these Saturday Saturday night mixes and stuff like that. And I would record that stuff. Um, and um, again, you know, I got to the place to where it was a religion. I needed to be home on Saturday night. Yeah, oh, it was church. You know, I, I mean, I was going to be home anyway. I was like 10 years old or whatever. Sure. You know, I'm not going anywhere, but that just right, no, occupied my that time. That was the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, there was the same thing on I had a local radio show on WEBB, yeah. and when that show was on, I was taping. Taping it. Yeah. And then, of course, it evolved. Um, I can't even begin to tell you how it evolved. I, I, again, it's just word of mouth. You go to school, and yeah. somebody knows someone and or this person or whatever, and it's, oh, yeah, this is the station, college station, and... You know, I just sat 
home one night just going through the knob, just yeah. turning slowly, trying to catch something, hear something. Um, because they see, yeah, they play stuff on there. And, you know, my cousins, you know, of course, they were a little, a little older and they, they were talking about that stuff. So I try to do what they did and record and find uh-huh. this stuff. And I wanted to be the cool kid that had the, the latest whatever. Sure. So I would spend days, you know, just searching through. Finally caught that station. And here's the funny part right here, man. This is where the true fiend came out, man. Yeah, tell me. <clears throat> it was fuzzy. That fuzzy radio uh, sound, you know, low quality because the reception hiss, was yeah. really bad. Yeah. Um, I took the radio, you know, the antenna, you know, I'm waving the, the antenna around trying to get the reception better. Finally caught it. But look where I caught it. I caught it outside of my window. I had my window up and the antenna was out the window <laughs> and it was clear and I was recording and then it got fuzzy all of a sudden and I just lost it, right? So I took the radio, the whole radio and held the whole thing out the window. So I'm holding the radio outside as clear as a bell <laughs> and I'm like yelling for my dad to help me. I ran outside. He ran outside, took the radio and put it on the ground. Oh. So I'm re- recording hip hop you know, in the bushes of outside of my house. You know, it's, it's just a drug, it's crazy, man. It's man. A drug. You know, when so it, that's where it all started, man. Um, haven't looked back, to be honest with you, man. I've been doing a lot of. What record or what album do you think you've listened to more than any other? If you had to guess, <clears throat> let's see what album. What album? Um, over the years, oh my gosh, probably. Um, Tribes, um, oh gosh, um, Midnight Marauders. Midnight Marauders, man, probably okay. that. How that's old, how old that's probably my favorite album. Is it? Yeah, favorite all yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, that's like strong. you know, just couldn't no skip that and Illmatic. I mean, of course, you know, Nas with the twenty. Yeah. You know, he's got that twenty yeah. year thing happening now. Yeah. Um, you know that. It's it's kind of I mean, but definitely tribe. I mean, I still listen to that stuff, man. Oh, still, oh, still, yeah, it's crazy. Of course, it's timeless. You know, um, Wu Tang, Thirty Six Chambers really changed the game for that me one, a lot. That one, but um, Thirty Six Chambers, but man, that that Wu Tang Forever album, man. I remember that was the only. Midnight. Were you listening to Thirty Six Chambers before Wu Tang Forever came out? Oh yeah, like absolutely. I had. Broke through like four thirty six chamber CDs before. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember that Meth dropped his solo album, Dirty dropped his solo album, yep. uh, and Ghost, and, and it was just a nonstop, nonstop like, barrage. Of it was a barrage craziness. of Wu Tang essence. Man. I thought, for, I mean, Forever was, for me was kind of a letdown. I thought that's where it turned. I was like, there's some strong tracks, right? But it does not have the strength of I think, chambers. I think what it was for me was. There was enough strength on that album that made that album just ridiculous to me. Um, you know, of course, Triumph is like, it's probably my favorite song of all time. I mean, it's, that song is just ridiculous, man. Abomatomically, <laughs> Socrates, philosophies, and I, oh my gosh, man. That guy, you know, it's like... Well, that bass is crazy. That yeah, it's bass. like, you know, RZA. You know, and it's funny because they're doing that whole, you know, 20-year anniversary thing right now, and... It's it's kind of um, I don't know. It's like I've been hearing like you know 
different snippets of how, you know, the production value isn't that great. I mean, Raekwon is not on board because he felt like, he, you know, RZA is right. really bad. And, right. <clears throat> you know, so I'm almost to the point to where it's like, you know, don't even do anything else. You know, just. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the great. only the only one left that's still putting out strong stuff fairly consistently is Ghost. Ghost. I know he was going to. Yeah, Ghost is. And he was the one I never would have predicted. From the first, from thirty six chambers, I never would have thought Ghost is going to be the one th- to keep going. I thought it would be Method. He was obvious because that yeah, was the he was first the popular thing. one. He was a popular guy. And I, I thought, thought Deck would have been the one. Really? Because I thought on thirty six chambers he, he got, was the strongest. He was the strongest, and he had the most remember. He had his his lines were more memorable than yeah. the rest of the uh, the guys. I yeah. mean, I definitely. It's funny. I didn't. I did not like Ghost on. 36 at all he was just i thought he was loud yeah and aggressive. simple he was yeah. too gr- aggressive and yeah. too angry he he if i don't know i don't know if you remember he actually uh wore the mask yeah you couldn't see I his know, face because he was the whole ghost face yeah, yeah. thing it was just funny just looking at where he is now i mean he's you know, did you read the, the uh i guess it was the making of the triumph video brett ratner no. directed that video yeah yeah um Brett Ratner was was directing videos at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a big, big director right. for that. Right. And so he was going to do this Wu-Tang video. So they all came out to California. They all crashed in his house while they were shooting the video. Right. Now, Ghost has bad diabetes. Mm. So he can't travel as easily as the rest of the clan. Right. So Rizza comes in, and, and he's like, he comes in before everyone else, feels out Brett Ratner, and decides this dude's okay. But says to the clan, we're going to shoot this guy. I think he's okay, but we got to keep an eye on him. He's not one of us. Mm. So they kind of put a little bit of fear into Brett. I don't think intentionally. Right. But he's kind of like, are these guys legitimately insane? Or right. is this all part of the acting? So he does the video. Um, but Riz is like, Ghost, Ghost is going to stay behind to make sure editing goes okay. Like, he's going to watch <laughs> over you. we got to travel. So... Ghost is at his house, and, and he's sleeping on the couch, and uh, I don't, nothing eventful is really happening. He's just like, little things are happening. He's like, this guy might be legitimately insane, like homicidal maniac, crazy. Wow. And then Ghost, is, Ghost goes away after it's all over. They're all good. And his, he notices his dog. Brett Ratner notices his dog is in the backyard just constantly digging in one spot. Wow. And so he's like, what the fuck is this dog doing? After a few days of this dog doing that, he goes out. And he gets a shovel, he starts digging, 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 and there's a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken that Ghost had buried in the backyard. But it's online, you can read it. It's, it there's a lot that's more pretty, to it than I said, but it's funny. That's pretty insane, man. But yeah, I mean, you know, Wu, Wu is by far, I mean, they're my favorite group of all time. Um, they were which, for me for a time, but right. as time passed, that they didn't hold up for me. It's like the Justice League, man. It's like everybody's strong. Yeah. I mean, it's like too strong, you know. Well, you know, what I mean, it's like there there are a few in there that's kind of like, mm-hmm. but there's enough strong members to, you know, to carry it to carry it over, man. But yeah, so you know, oh, and I got I got to mention this too, man. I mean, dude, Jay Dilla, man. I was just gonna go in the production direction because that's that's yeah. your thing. You're you're, dude, you're more into to yeah. production than anything. Yeah, I and mean, Dilla, Jay Dilla was your dude. D- Dilla is was is my dude. I mean, his 
his production. I mean, this this dude is causing a movement now. I mean, he's he he's the reason why the roots exist. Sure, he's the reason why. I mean, Pharrell mentions him. Yeah, you know, as a major yeah, everyone influence. Does. Everyone, yeah, everyone does. does, man. And it's like you didn't realize how influential he was until people time. started. Yeah. To talk about him, I mean, mm-hmm. of course, Q-Tip is like an ambassador for him. Of sure. course, Common, uh, Common. Yeah. I mean, you just go down a list. Kanye, I mean, Kanye's, mm-hmm. you know, one. Of, that's one of his influences. Uh, for sure. You know, working. You got a chance to. And work then with Jay him. Dilla bought you to Ninth Wonder, correct? No, no. That was um, Ninth Wonder. Well, as far as like, as far as musically, or, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, 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 Ninth yeah, is yeah. an obvious disciple of Jay Dilla, sound wise. I, I, I think so. I think he is. I mean, um, yeah, Ninth. Uh, and not to take anything away from Ninth, Ninth right. is his own man, and he's right. an incredible produ- producer. Right. Yeah. Ninth, I mean, Ninth is one of those guys where I felt. I, well, I, I feel like he is. He, he's he's sort of like us, man. He's doing his academic thing like crazy right now, man. Is I don't he? know if you knew that. Yeah, no. He's uh, he's a uh, an academic fellow at uh, Harvard, I think. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, let me yeah. let me end on this because this I'll never forget the look on your face when we first met. Uh oh. We were at a dinner in Savannah. Yeah. And hip hop came up. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah. and you had looked at me and. And we were talking about producers, and mm-hmm. I had said premiere. Yeah, when you said premiere, he I gave was like, me a look. <laughs> but then you said Ninth Wonder, and I was like, "Yeah, Ninth is good, but he's he's too new to judge as one of the greats." And the look you gave me was like, "What the <laughs> fuck does he know about this?" I was like, "Why is he having a conversation with me right now about this?" <laughs> I mean, I think the same one that uh, Axel was at. Right, was at right. I mean, even with Axel, he started diving into. He said, "I, I heard you guys talking about Ninth right, Wonder." Right. He came like, over to our end of the table. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, he was over there talking with. I think there was some pretty well-known. Oh, there was, creators yeah, there over was a there. lot of people. It, it was an editor function. It was you were the only function. artist there. Yeah. You, how, you did I, how did I even get there? I don't even know. I think they, I just um, came. What they did at that time, from what I remember, was they had a big editor's day, but their department was so big that they couldn't get all the students in with an editor. So they brought in an artist, artist. to give a workshop yeah, that's to keep I mean. those other students feeling like they didn't get there's anything. Something, yeah, there's something so. to do. But yeah, I mean, with with you and then Axel, and, and that's how the whole relationship started with, with yeah, us. Yeah, we all went to know. breakfast the next morning. And yeah, just talked I mean, it was, it, was, it was crazy just seeing that, and now full circle, you know, working with, um, you know, uh, Axel doing some Marvel stuff coming up, you know, and and that relationship mm-hmm. spawned from that. Yeah, me you know, too. it just spawned from from that whole thing, yeah, man. And you too. know, of course, you know, we always talk about dope stuff. And yeah. art and all that cool stuff, man. So that's right. one of those things where, you know, I'm grateful for that, man. Hip-hop brings people together, man. No doubt. That's just what no it is. No doubt. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for doing this, Sanford. No doubt, man. I appreciate it. You want to shout out any of your uh, networking sites or anything? Uh, well, you know, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Sanford Green. Um, I think that's about it, man. Any projects you need to projects, get people looking at? Um, I have uh, my children's book. Um, I have a book series called An Army of Frogs. Right. It's doing really well. Actually, we just got right. um, a little financing to do an animated trailer. Oh, nice. So um, I think I saw you tweet about that or something. Yeah, I got something happening with that right good, now. Good, Grinding that stuff out. Um you know, it's looking really good. Pretty excited about that thing, man. The book is doing well. Um, like I said, we have a book series 
Um, book two should be dropping August or something like that. And then right. I got three coming. And then um, uh, I have a very long overdue project over at Dark Horse um, with um, – Yeah, you're Rotten creator, Apple? Yeah, my creator-owned book called mm-hmm. Rotten Apple – um, it's just a one shot, and then uh, looks like I got something something at Marvel. Man, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, might be working. Well, I, I am going to be working with a pretty well known writer. I can't say who it is just okay. yet, but uh, all right, cool. Yeah. All so, right. well, thanks for doing this, man. Absolutely, sir. All right, later. Yeah. My God, Sean, that was a lively intro you started with. What's going on? Well, I'll tell you, because you asked. Uh, I'm in my my studio, and uh, I'm really going to try to do the intros and outros on Saturdays when no one else is here, where I can scream all I fucking want to, and not have to worry about it. Uh... I listened to a few. Well, I, I'm I'm previewing the podcast more efficiently now, and I realized that th- that the intros and outros were just a little mon- monotone, maybe a little quiet. Not very. the The cadence wasn't interesting, and and it. I've got more to offer than that. So by coming in on Saturdays, I can do my fucking thing. And that's it. So, uh, yeah, let, let's see how many times I can say, so, uh, 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 that was the, that was the, the, the Jewish, uh, Something about being Jewish, you're you're always in pain and you're making noises to let others know the, the pain you're feeling. It's so fucking passive aggressive. It's in my blood. It's in my DNA. I can't fucking help it. It happens. <sighs> okay, so thanks for listening, uh, Samford. Uh, thank you for doing that. And... I hope you got out of it what you were looking for. And uh, we've got more to talk about, Sanford and I, and definitely some others. I had mentioned a, maybe a all-hip-hop podcast with people like Sanford, Scotty, and Kari. Might be fun. We'll see. I'm keeping it organic. We'll see where it goes. Uh, so thanks for listening. And again, please subscribe. Please leave feedback on iTunes. And please, pass on the fucking word about the show. The more the merrier. Sampling loops, rappers will bell bottom lease.
write a song so their careers won't 